0: When you have the right recon process in place, it's easy to stay ahead of the game. Put your recon on cruise control today with iRecon, the solution built directly in Viato that obliterates recon inefficiencies and accelerates your used car sales. Visit Viato.com.
1: Welcome to Daily Drive. For Monday, December 19th, 2022, I'm Jamie
2: Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News. And I'm Kellen Walker. Today on the show, the cooling economy chills investment in EVs and mobility. A new report shows EVs cost about as much as ICE vehicles to own, and Tesla investors try to keep up with the CEO's activity on Twitter. Plus, a look at the year General Motors had in 2022. They're now
0: getting more and more past that chip shortage that really messed up their production plans. And for the foreseeable future now, it's gonna be neck and neck, I think, with,
1: with Toyota. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. It looks like uncertain economic conditions are souring investors on startups focused on electric vehicles and other mobility efforts. The total amount invested in the mobility tech sector dropped by 79% year-over-year in the third quarter of 2022. That's according to the latest figures from financial services firm PitchBook. Experts say global economic headwinds, rising borrowing rates, and the recent struggles of startups that went public via special-purpose acquisition companies have brought a heightened sense of caution among venture capital firms. Going forward, investors expect investment in transportation tech to continue, but it will probably come at a more deliberate pace and with startups facing more scrutiny
2: from prospective backers. A new report shows that the cost of owning an EV just about matches that of internal combustion vehicles. But a new JD Power Index that gauges the industry shift to EVs also shows wide gaps in four of the six categories measured, including charging infrastructure and consumer interest in EVs. Those gaps show there's still a long way to go before EVs and ICE vehicles are on equal footing. The JD Power EV Index launches on January 17th. It underscores a dichotomy in the transition to fully electric power terrains, even as global automakers plow billions of dollars into the rollout. Rising interest rates have made consumers
1: particularly attuned to the financing portion of a vehicle transaction. That's turning Stellantis' effort to roll out a new captive lender into an even bigger deal for many of its retailers. Of more than 2,600 Stellantis dealers in the U.S., around 1,600 have begun using the in-house lender. That's according to Stellantis North America COO Mark Stewart. We've been ramping up through the course of this year, and, uh, and the guys are really getting to a substantial size. So we've more than doubled that business this year. So we feel very good going into next year uh, about rolling it out to the rest of the country. Stewart was speaking this month at Automotive News Congress in Detroit. Stellantis Financial Services launched after the automaker's November 2021 acquisition of F1 Holdings, the parent company of First Investors Financial Services Group, for about $285 million. Most major automakers have their own internal lender to help dealers and the factory drive sales
2: and lower costs. And Tesla shares jump in anticipation of Elon Musk potentially stepping back from Twitter. Tesla stock rose as much as 5% in pre-market trading and is currently trading up 2% as of recording time today. The shares have plunged 58% since Musk disclosed in early April that he had taken a stake in Twitter, underperforming the 15% drop in the S&P 500 index. Musk tweeted over the weekend that he would abide by the results of a poll asking whether he should step down as head of Twitter. Nearly 58% of respondents voted yes. And those are today's headlines. Jamie, what do you actually think shareholders want from Elon Musk? And do they even fully trust the guy?
1: (laughs) Well, I think Tesla shareholders trust Elon Musk to run Tesla, And they really want him to just stay focused on that. You know, he has a lot of other interests, including free speech and, you know, interplanetary travel. But what they like about the SpaceX project is that he has Gwen Shotwell to run that business day to day. He gets involved, he's very interested in it, uh, but he can delegate the running of that business. And I think they'd like to see him do the same kind of thing with Twitter, which is a huge distraction potentially and also is potentially damaging to the brand. You know, One of the first things he did was let Donald Trump back on. A lot of EV buyers and EV intenders are maybe not fans of the former president that most auto CEOs try to stay out of politics. I think Tesla shareholders would like Elon Musk to
2: follow their example on that one. He's in such a weird place. Uh, coming up, uh, the first of our series of conversations looking back at the auto industry in 2022. We'll talk about the biggest stories and trends for General Motors That's next on Daily Drive. Slate Money is a weekly roundup of the most important stories from the world of business and finance, hosted by Felix Salmon, Elizabeth Spires, and me, Emily Peck. Confused by crypto? Can't keep up with the metaverse? Wondering why the price of just about everything keeps rising? The Slate Money Podcast is here for you. Listen to Slate Money every Saturday morning, wherever you get your
3: podcasts. Warning, your reconditioning process needs attention. Unexpected shortages and delays can throw off even the most routine recon work, slowing your sales and eating into your bottom line. Identify and fix reconditioning inefficiencies to turn your inventory faster with iRecon. This reconditioning solution, built directly in V-Auto, keeps you in control of your service department, and puts your recon on cruise control. With real-time alerts and reports, iRecon helps you get ahead of potential issues before they become costly problems. You'll be able to track who's doing the work and how long tasks are taking, see the status of any vehicle in an instant, and make adjustments where needed. And it's all done in an easy-to-use dashboard you can customize to fit your workflow, obliterate inefficiencies, and accelerate your used car sales only with iRecon. Run your personal recon diagnostics with us today and put your process on cruise control. Welcome back to Daily Drive.
1: I'm Jamie Butters with Kellen Walker. As 2022 winds down, we're taking a look back at some of the biggest stories and issues that shaped the auto industry this year. Today, we kick off this year in review series with a look at America's largest automaker, General Motors had its share of ups and downs, including briefly losing the U.S. sales crown to Toyota, then promptly winning it back. It also made a series of ambitious EV announcements as it looks to snatch away more market share from Tesla and other competitors. I talked about all of it with Nick Bunkley, Director of Automaker Coverage for Automotive News. Here's our conversation. Nick Bunkley, welcome to Daily Drive. Glad to be here. All right. So... We're talking about General Motors, looking back at 2022. You know, I guess I want to start off with something maybe a little bit nice. Uh, GM regained the sales crown after losing it to Toyota last year. Uh, Is that something that can last? Uh, Well, uh, the reason they lost
0: it last year was obviously uh, kind of a a fluke of things coming together. Um, This year, uh, they were able to get their production back in better shape. Um, they were able to, uh, in, in some cases, start building cars and trucks without all the parts that they uh, <laughs> normally would have uh, and go and go back later and re-add uh, heated seats and other parts that, that they had taken out. But they're now getting more and more past that chip shortage that uh, really messed up their uh, production plans. And you know, for the foreseeable future now, uh, you know, it's going to be neck and neck, I think, with, with Toyota, but uh, GM certainly has a strong chance to to stay in front there. You know, going into the next year or two, it's going to be a lot more EVs that they're going to start building, and so demand for that is going to have a lot to do with how their sales go. So uh, Toyota and GM, uh, I think it's there's going to be quarters that one or the other is ahead, and, and goes back and forth maybe, but... You
1: know, last year, GM was really hampered by the chip shortage, and Toyota was kind of on a roll they felt like after the lessons they had uh, been through with the tsunami they had made backups to their chip supply and it really carried them last year and then it caught up with them this year (laughs) so it's hard to know you know gm seems to be back up to full speed pretty much it's hard to know what toyota's full speed is and what that how much they would allocate to the u.s i think that's going to be an interesting race to watch in the next couple of years we'll see how it goes so, uh, GM, along with their uh, sales goals, they set out at, at, I think it was at Investor Day, talked about some some new goals, including really counting on a lot of revenue from subscriptions. Explain to me what they're thinking there. Well, as they
0: get into more uh, EVs and start to sell these, these new EVs that are more expensive to produce, they're just looking for ways to... Uh, supplement uh, you know, the, the revenue and the the profits that are not going to quite be there the way that they always have been with internal combustion vehicles. And so they're really looking to find ways that customers can give them money uh, after the purchase yeah. and not just at the dealership. And then uh, <laughs> the relationship more or less ends uh, beyond maybe an oil change or two. They, they really want uh, these customers to keep sending them money, uh, whether it be for, for OnStar or some other uh, subscription-type
1: services that uh, we haven't really even heard about yet. It's, a, you know, OnStar is pretty well established, but it's now sort of bundled into every GM vehicle purchase, pretty much, right? Uh, for Buick, uh, they, they've started
0: adding that as a mandatory uh, option, if you will. Well, if
1: it's only Buick, then it's not that big of an impact
0: so far right but uh, i think the, you know there certainly is a chance that they can see how that goes and if not enough uh, customers balk at that uh, you know maybe they take a look at uh, doing it more with uh, some of the other brands because their idea is that the more you can bundle this in there rather than having to convince people later on to to make that purchase the more they can count on that recurring revenue.
1: You know, the automakers are are looking. They look at Netflix and Amazon and and all these other subscriptions. I I get organic produce sent to me every week in a box, and they're like, people get sign up for a subscription, and then they they don't complain anymore about about it. It just sort of keeps taking money out of their account. And I think GM's hardly alone in wishing they could just keep taking money out of people's accounts forever. But I'm just not sure that American consumers are ready to adopt this and to embrace it in their car buying process. Yeah, Netflix was one specifically that GM talked about wanting to be just like
0: that. It's something that (laughs) they think they look at that uh, that money coming in every month. That, like you say, people a lot of times don't even think about it anymore. You know, maybe they use it in a month, maybe they don't. But it's not enough of a problem that they. Actually, call and cancel or anything. Um, Peloton was another company they yeah, they yeah. mentioned. Uh, you know, they they look at these companies that it's an ongoing relationship, and that's really what they want to get to the point of where it's it's not just you know, every two, three, four or year or longer years uh, that they go to the dealership and make a big purchase. Yeah, that it's an ongoing thing, and they they have a a more
1: direct relationship with the consumer than they do right now. If they want me to pay a monthly fee for seat heaters, I'm only going to want to pay it in the cold months. I mean, I I don't know if that's the way they have it. I don't think that's the way they want it to be run. Uh, But I think those are the kinds of tension points that that they're heading right into. Yeah,
0: there's a a lot of questions uh, in in how some of these things work because you get in your car and look at that uh, seat heater and say, well, maybe I don't want to pay for that for the next uh, six, seven months or or two. you know, two three months if you're in Michigan, maybe. But
1: right. <laughs>
0: but yeah, it, it's a uh, it's something that a lot of these auto companies are are feeling out uh, just to see you know what consumers have tolerance for, what they can count on uh, as they look to you know, supplement that
1: revenue. So we've we've touched on EVs, but really, I mean, that's kind of what a lot of what this year has been about for GM: uh, laying the groundwork for their EV transition, whether it's to all EVs by 2030 or 50% EVs by 2030. Battery announcements. I mean, what it's uh, more affordable EVs. They're kind of all over the place. Yeah, 2023 is going to be a big year for
0: GM with their EVs. Uh, they have a good number of them. Coming out that they showed this year, uh, the Silverado EV, uh, the Blazer, the Equinox, uh, which is their the thirty thousand uh, dollar EV, so called uh, thirty thousand ish,
1: right. you know, <laughs> some level of range. But sure, that's a, but that's way better than a hundred thousand dollar pickup. Uh, yeah, I mean, so far, you know, the first
0: couple EVs they had were the the one hundred twelve thousand dollar Hummer, and mm-hmm. and then they uh, brought out the. Uh, Cadillac Lyric, uh, which starts at about sixty thousand.
1: Well, and that after the Bolt, those are the first uh, Ultium products. Uh, right? Yes, yeah. yeah,
0: the first the first Ultium ones. Uh, they've they've had the Bolt here for a, a number of years, and they actually just uh, cut the price of that so that there was room for the uh, thirty thousand or so uh, Equinox when it comes out next year. Uh, so with those all coming out uh, in the in the next twelve months, twenty twenty two was a big year for them to just sort of uh, get things in place. You know, they opened the first. Ultium plant in uh, Ohio, uh, near where their old uh, Lordstown uh, assembly plant used to be. They have two more battery uh, plants under construction in Tennessee and and in Michigan. And then they have a fourth one coming that they they haven't officially confirmed, but uh, it's believed to be in in Indiana. Do you think
1: that's going to stay? I mean, I know they talked about talking with Indiana, but the vehicles are probably going to be made in Mexico, right? A lot of people thought it was going to be Texas. I've always wondered if that was a, a bargaining tactic.
0: And it could be, and they've they've waited uh, quite a long time to actually confirm that one since everyone started to get the sense that it was uh, going to be at Indiana site. So they could be looking at a couple of different uh, places or what, but we'll have to see.
1: Yeah. They've also started making the Bright Drop electric vehicles in Canada, uh, which is uh, an important, potentially important segment of the electric vehicle market, getting into work vans where they'll go toe to toe with Ford.
0: Yeah, that that's sort of a part of the market that uh, doesn't get a, a ton of attention uh, because it's businesses that are making these uh, decisions that you, know, you don't see as much as consumers that are out there uh, that your neighbor buying a an EV that it shows up in the driveway next to you. Uh, but uh, between BrightDrop and and Ford Pro, uh, they're really going to be going at it uh, here in in the coming years because you know those businesses, uh, you know, they really. Crunch the numbers and look at what makes sense uh, for them. And you know, the, the argument for EVs, of course, is the uh, the cost of ownership and the cost to operate is is so much less. There's lot, in most cases a bigger upfront cost, but you know, these companies, uh, the auto companies, say that uh, you know they can make it make sense for these businesses. Uh, and you know, versus a consumer that is a little bit irrational sometimes in their uh, purchase decisions. Uh, you know, if it makes sense for a business to buy, uh, you know, hundred EV fans instead of vehicles that they have to go gas up all the time, uh, you know, they're going to do it.
1: Well, and then that can lead to scale and help bring down the cost of all EVs for everybody. I and mean, I think that's part of the the thinking. We'll see if it actually works out that way.
0: You know, well, the more batteries that they uh, can use in fleet vehicles that, you know, the the cheaper this technology eventually becomes because GM can can start scaling these uh, parts up and, you know, it does eventually drive down the cost for the average consumer.
1: It it should drive down the cost, except at least in the short term where we see these, you know, incredibly high prices for the raw materials, right? And so adding more demand, adding, making more of them just puts more demand on, you know, the price of lithium and cobalt and manganese, magnesium and everything else. But, but yeah, it should be, should be a good scale, scale up opportunity. One last thing I, I don't want to let you go without talking about at least a little as a uh, GM heads into 2023, they're going to be going back to the office at least uh, half the time or so.
0: Uh, yeah, that uh, surprised a lot of their uh, <laughs> salaried employees in the last couple of months here that, uh, you know, GM in the middle of the pandemic, uh, Mary Barra, decreed the work appropriately uh, philosophy um, which was if anybody remembers that uh, a couple of years earlier uh, when she was uh, new in the CEO job her her dress code uh, approach was dress appropriately uh, so it's it's sort of the same approach and so many employees you know, took that flexibility to heart over the last couple of years you know in some cases you know, they, they made some decisions for their families Um made a move. Uh, Maybe their spouse uh, made a decision of uh, something in their job. And, you know, a lot of these uh, employees were then caught off guard uh, by GM saying, all of a sudden, we're going to need you back in the office at least three days a week. And, you know, there, there was enough of a backlash right away that GM Said, well, take a step back here, and we're going to look at it a little bit more. But the way that things are are still looking, they're basically expecting uh, people to be back in the office, you know, with some flexibility to those numbers. I think, but uh, you know, starting in the first couple of months of
1: twenty twenty three, you know, GM is isn't the GM of old, but it's still a very large and symbolic company, and uh, the things they do set a tone for. American commerce, you know, an American industry. But it isn't, I mean, at Stellantis, they have leaned into the work from anywhere big time. They feel it's been a huge strength to them. I, I know they're looking to fill positions and they don't care if people are in Michigan. Maybe they want them to come visit once in a while, but generally they want to find the talent where the talent wants to be and uh, make everybody happy. And, you know, GM, of course, also wants the value of having people, you know, working together to get the, synergistic moments of the idea, you know, that uh, a conversation at the coffee pot sparks a, a new business idea, but it's a, uh, it's a tough trade-off. And it's a lot to ask for thousands of people to come into the GM headquarters on the regular. Yeah, it, it's
0: definitely, uh,
1: you know, there, there was
0: some feeling, I think within the, the upper levels of GM that uh, they, they needed to make sure that, that they didn't start falling behind. You know, they, they're going up against uh, you know, not only Ford, but, you uh, Tesla and, and other companies that are, especially as they get more into EVs, are going to have more of these, these challengers. Uh, but, yes, at the same time, they're competing against a lot of the same uh, employees that could go to other tech companies and, and have a more flexible uh, lifestyle. So it's certainly something they have to balance uh, as, they, as they try to figure
1: this out here. <laughs> all right. We'll see how that plays out and read all the coverage in the pages of Automotive News. Nick Bunkley is Director of Automaker Coverage for Automotive News. Thank you
2: for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jamie. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to Automotive News Coordinating Producer Jake Neer, as well as our own Karn Dingra, Hans Greimel, and Vince Mons Jr. for their help on today's podcast. You can get the latest news on manufacturing, EV and mobility investment, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com come back tomorrow for a look at how
1: 2022 went for Ford with automotive news reporter Michael Martinez. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review and subscribe so you never miss an episode.